Hello, Duncan Green here with the weekly roundup of blogs on From Poverty to Power. Before I head off on holiday, I'm going to the Edinburgh Festival, where I go every year to sort of try and cram all my culture into one week so that I can spend the rest of the time just being boring and working or watching telly. Um, Started off the week with links I liked. A uh, couple of things I'd point out to, um, I'd point to here. One is that the LSE has made a couple of great appointments on inequality. I think the LSE uh, a few years ago set up an International Inequalities Institute, and I'm sort of on the fringes of that. And it's just, a, it's just uh, appointed Branko Milanovic and Chico Ferreira uh, as two. The Chico Ferreira is going to take over as director of the institute. Branko's coming in as Centennial Professor, and it means we've got some really amazing firepower on those kind of international aspects of inequality. So keep an eye out for what the LSE is up to over the next couple of years. It's going to be really interesting. The other thing um, I linked to was that there is a forthcoming issue of Development and Change Journal devoted to, um, is open access such a good thing? And I think their, their hypothesis, which they want to test, is that open access may be all very well for consumers of knowledge, but it's really bad news for producers in the South because the way journals, academic journals, have reacted to the press, pressure to be open access to readers is by charging um, contributors. So you now have to pay to have your article published in a journal, which is bizarre, but that's the way it's currently working. And I think the, the, the supposition is that this is excluding scholarship from the South. So when I get back from holiday, we're going to do a little bit of a crowdsource on this and see what people say. So if you do have any interesting insights into the impact of open access on Southern scholars, uh, on developing country scholars, please let me know. Um, the rest of the week I devoted to my amazing LSE students. So I, every year I teach this course on activism, uh, which basically follows through the large parts of How Change Happens, the book. Um, and I've been marking and reading the essays and the assignments. And so I decided to just put some of the best ones there up uh, this, uh, this, this week. So the first one was actually the guidance I've been giving students on how do you analyze a past story of change. One of their assignments working in groups is to take a past story of change, which they select, and, add, and do a kind of power analysis, stakeholder mapping story of how that change unfolded, what were the accidents, the critical moments, um, and so on. And yeah, it's really interesting. They choose really unexpected um, examples, and some of the treatments are really good. So two things. One is I put up, I want to publish those guidelines uh, with Oxfam and maybe with LSE. So I put up the draft of those guidelines on how do you do this, the methodology of, of analyzing stories of change, up for people to comment on. So please comment on those. But also I put up three of the best of this year's students. One uh, student assignments, one was on um, how Germany denuclearized incredibly fast. Uh, uh, in the last decade. Um, the second one was a private sector story on how Iceland supermarkets ditched palm oil. Um, and the third one was on a, a legislative uh, question, the repeal of the eighth referendum in Ireland on reproductive rights and how the forces of light won that referendum. So I think three very different case studies, all really interesting and, and, and very good illustrations of how to capture a story of change with a, with, with a kind of a, a, a good level of nuance and understanding. The next two days I put up two of the best blogs. So 
as well as doing that group project, what people have to do on the course is an individual project, which is basically a campaign they want to run, usually in their own country when they get home. It's the kind of thing that you know, they, they, they feel passionately about. Here's a chance to spend some time developing a campaign strategy, and they get marked on the quality of the strategy. Um, and as part of that, they write a blog or a video blog, a vlog. Uh, so the rest of the week was on these blogs and vlogs. So on Wednesday, we had Monica Moses from India talking about the deaths of Dalits in Mumbai's sewers. Um, and she had a very nice campaign idea of, uh, of people crowdsourcing pictures of unprotected Dalit sewer cleaners when you saw that, see them going into the sewers in, in Mumbai and using that as a way to, to drum up awareness and, uh, and try and shift the uh, Mumbai uh, local authorities to do a bit more about this because a large number of Dalits are dying and the authorities don't care because they're lower caste. On Thursday, we had Jacinta Gomez from Belize um, talking about overfishing. So there's widespread use of things called gill nets, which are very, very destructive uh, and, and kill all sorts of rare species and destroy the coral and all the rest of it. So her campaign was to stop the use of gill nets and shift to something better. So sustainable fisheries rather than the ban on fisheries. Also a very nice blog. And then the last post of the week was on the video blogs. And this was mind-blowing. So I do really bad video blogs, vlogs, where I get out my phone when I'm somewhere interesting and just ramble on into the phone. I gave the students the option of doing vlogs rather than blogs for their assignments, and quite a few of them took it up. And the result has been deeply distressing for me because they are so much better. They are really good. So I put three of the good ones. Emma Simons on uh, a campaign to stop people dropping their cigarette ends in the street called No Butts. Very clever. Um, Leonie Duda on um, the campaign to get safer cycling in Munich. And Akramal Mahini, uh, Mahini on um, c- civilian protection and protection of human rights workers in Idlib in Syria. All three of them really well made technically, very powerful um, and a, a demonstration of what you can achieve using Instagram or YouTube or, or your phone or whatever. Yeah, just fairly simple technology producing really powerful vlogs. So I was deeply impressed by that, and I'm now wondering what on earth to do about my own appalling vlogging. I think I may just give up and stick to podcasts because that's nice and easy. Anyway, that's it from me. Uh, have a good weekend. I'm back in a couple of weeks.